You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Haristadoulou, and coming off of what was probably one of the more wild weekends in football in recent memory, we are diving into power rankings for week eight of the NFL, so make sure you comment down below. Let me know your power rankings, your thoughts on my power rankings, or even just your thoughts on this past weekend slate of games. There were so many upsets, so much to get into, so we'll dive right in, beginning with the bottom four teams in the NFL. At number 32, the Panthers staying put where they are at the bottom of the NFL. They did not play this week. We have the Arizona Cardinals tumbling all the way down to number 31 won four spots the Broncos staying at number 30 and the Giants staying at number 29 so the Panthers of course not going to move they didn't play this week I think they are the definitive worst team in the NFL and the Cardinals falling again to put up only 10 points and I understand against a Seahawks team that's looking pretty good right now but ultimately I feel like the Seahawks might be starting to run out of competitive steam I know earlier in the season games were close for them they were keeping things tight but now it feels like the offense minus James Connor is starting to kind of slow down and and at this point, they're hurting and really hoping to get Kyler Murray back. But being at the record that they're at right now, it doesn't feel like there's any real reason to rush him back. But it does sound like internally that is what they're trying to do to get him back sooner rather than later. But at this point, I feel like the Cardinals, as the only one lost team right now, probably deserve sitting at the 31 spot. Then at number 30, we have the Denver Broncos winning a tight 19-17 victory over the Green Bay Packers. I And the same thing kind of goes for the Giants at number 29 as well. While both of these teams did come out victorious, uh, they were against lesser-ish opponents, I guess you could say. And so the reason they don't move up despite their victories this week is more so about just kind of who I have moving around above them than anything else. This is not me trying to discredit what they did this week. They both still are two-win teams at the end of the day, although I do give the Giants a major credit for for keeping the game as close as they did last week against the Bills. But ultimately, I'm fine with both of these two win teams sitting at numbers 30 and 29, respectively, based off of their entire performance to this point in the season. But I will say some good things from the Giants fighting their way back. Defense has looked really good the last couple of weeks. And the Denver Broncos, good win on them, upsetting a favored Packers team, despite the fact that they were in Denver. But ultimately, I'm fine with these two teams being where they are right now. Moving into our next four teams at number 28 we're looking at the new england patriots who move up three spots here at number 27 the raiders are going to drop three and i just noticed now as i'm doing this at number 26 the bears that should say plus three spots not minus three spots so that is a mistake on my part right there they are moving up in the power rankings not down this week and then the saints are moving down in the power rankings as opposed to moving up so that is where the mishap kind of happened there i meant to swap those two a green and red minus and pluses in the movement for those two teams so my mistake on that part the Saints are moving down and the Bears are moving up but Patriots big victory for them over their division rival Buffalo Bills not a game that I really thought they had any chance of winning but the defense looked really good gave Josh Allen and that offensive line of Buffalo fits all game long which is major credit to them considering some of the injuries they've been dealing with but that pressure that they were giving up the middle was very impressive to see the Raiders obviously losing in ugly fashion of the Chicago Bears uh, this is a team that has been kind of struggling like this all season long and while I wasn't necessarily sure who came out victorious in this battle of backup quarterbacks it was clearly not Brian Hoyer's day and I don't really think he was the right person to start I don't quite know why the Raiders opt to go with Brian Hoyer over Aiden O'Connell I would think that you'd want to get the young guys some snaps and I understand that you know they're still in the mix for a playoff spot right now but 
I just, for me personally, like we all know what Brian Hoyer is to this stage in his career. I think he is an excellent clipboard holder and an excellent backup quarterback in the terms of he does a great job of helping whoever's the starter through their games. But I don't know if he really has it left in the tank on the field. So I was kind of scratching my head when we saw Brian Hoyer over Aiden O'Connell. But I mean, I guess you go with the vet to try to keep your season playoff hopes alive when your starter's out. I just would have liked to see Aiden O'Connell. I know that his first NFL regular season game wasn't great, but he did have a really strong training camp and preseason. So I would have just liked to see more from the rookie. Bears moving up three spots here. Big victory for them. I've got to give some major credit to the Bears for all the struggles that they've dealt with to have a guy who has not started a single snap in the NFL step in and honestly look like dynamite in his season opener was great for him. So really exciting for uh, Tyler Bajan. And I just think that I don't want to say we have a quarterback controversy because I don't think that is the case at all. I do think that he was a not not a victim of circumstance, but he was definitely a benefactor of circumstance right now going up against the Raiders team that defensively at times has looked very poor and on top of that he was also facing an opposing team that did not have their starting quarterback as well but the Bears really put it together rallied around him and the offense looked really really good compared to what we have seen for the most part for the last couple of years Uh, so again some things to think about definitely not a quarterback controversy I still think you go Justin Fields over Tyler Bagent right now but We'll just, uh, you know, just kind of stick this one in the back drawer and keep it. Just think on it for a little bit. And the Saints moving down in the power rankings again. They're moving down. Bears are moving up. They're moving down. Uh, The Saints. What can I say? Really tough loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were in it to the very end in that fourth quarter there, ultimately with the dropped touchdown catch from Foster Moreau being a heartbreaker for New Orleans Saints fans. Uh, I do give credit for the comeback, but it was kind of just too little too late, and it was really unfortunate. The offense honestly did not look great up until the very like back half, I would say further than the back half of the game, the last quarter of the game, really. And it kind of... It was ugly for the Saints, and I feel like that's kind of been the, the the offense of New Orleans the entire season, and it's one of those things that until that starts to get better, you do have a really good defense that I feel like kind of just folded over because it's one of those continued things. They just can't really rely on the offense. They're on the field back-to-back too often too quickly, and until this offense can sort itself out, one that has so much talent on it, I just I can't really buy the Saints right now and it's a team that I actually really like and I liked coming into this season but it's unfortunate to kind of see where they are right now in the season and now we're having an added wrinkle going in with Chris Olave just getting arrested for reckless driving last night or yesterday I don't know necessarily exactly when it was but he was arrested for reckless driving I believe it was 35 miles an hour over the speed limit that he got arrested for. I uh, don't know if he's going to face any sort of discipline from the NFL on that one, but that is also a little bit of another wrinkle to the offensive issues that they're dealing with in New Orleans right now. Next four teams, we have the Tennessee Titans moving up a spot. This is more just being a beneficiary of things going on around them. And then at number 23, taking a tumble, LA Chargers. I'm starting to sell on them. I believed in them for a while, but at this point, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about them. Packers are falling two spots, and the Commanders are falling three. So the Tennessee Titans, like I said, they're basically just benefiting from the fact that I had some teams moving around in it, more so in part because the Saints kind of dipped below them. It helped them move up even though they didn't play right now. Chargers at number 23, dropping seven spots here. A team that has excellent talent at quarterback on the offensive line as starting running back. I mean, even their backup running back is looking really good, Joshua Kelly. And you have Justin Herbert. I just, I don't understand this team. I really don't. And I understand the Chiefs have a really good defense, but for this team to have only put up what they put up against Kansas City this week and 
I just I've been on the 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 fire Brandon Staley bandwagon for a while now and I kind of hope that at this point as much as I like the Chargers I kind of want them to just keep losing because I think that Brandon Staley is holding this team back I don't understand how you are the defensive-minded head coach that you are, and your defense is awful. Your offense is stuck in neutral, and you have as many weapons as you do have here. There is just a lot going wrong with the Chargers right now, and it's very frustrating considering the talent level you have on both sides of the ball. It makes no sense to me. So I, I think it's awful where they are right now, and it's a massive disappointment. Justin Herbert's prime is being wasted as we speak, and while I'm not saying that he's been playing a perfect game every single week he is definitely a far less part of the problem than I think just about anything in this team right now and it's very frustrating that this is what's going on with this Chargers team because there's you just have a prime opportunity with a great young quarterback and yet here we are talking about a Chargers team that still has only two wins this far into the season at number 22 Green Bay Packers dropping a couple more spots here losing a tight one to the Denver Broncos this is another one of those teams that it's just in a really weird place, but it's it's more so about the injuries for them than anything else, because I think that roster wise, they're a really good team, but they are decimated with injuries right now and with the youth on the offensive side of the ball. And that's something I've kind of talked about and harped on a lot the last few weeks and even heading into the season. It's rearing its ugly head right now. So it's just a combination of things. I still really trust in Matt LaFleur, and maybe you could argue that this team maybe needs to be a little bit lower, but for what it's worth, I do like them where they are right now. And it's just a matter of if they can get healthier, get their guys back and get back on the right track. It even sounds like the Packers are still really high on Jordan Love. I haven't really been disappointed by him. It's it's some of it is him, but it's also a lot of what's going on around him as well. That's out of his control. But it's it's there's I don't really think there's anyone that you can really point the finger at with where the Packers are right now. Injuries is probably the biggest issue for them and just a lack of execution in some situations on offense. And I think that really just leans into just how young the group is over there. And then at 21, the Washington Commanders. And now I understand, yes, they're higher than the Giants that just beat them this week, but it's more so about where the Giants have been this entire season, whereas the Commanders have actually been fairly competitive in some of their games. And even in their loss to the Giants, it was a closer affair. But the offensive line at this point has just got to be one of the worst, if not the worst, in the NFL, especially in pass protection. They have got to do something if they want to even try to compete in this NFC East division, which right now is basically feeling like the Eagles division to lose. But I'm just seriously concerned with Sam Howell and the protection that he has over there, because this is a team that when Sam Howell has time, he looks pretty darn good. You have great skill position players, the defense, really strong group. You have a bunch of first rounders on that defensive front. And I mean, the secondary is playing really well for how young of a group it is. This is a team that should honestly be in a better position than they are right now. But the offensive line is just playing so poorly in pass protection right now it's holding the team back that much if they can sort that out this team should be fine in the long run but they have got to maybe do a rework with their starting group I, I don't know they've got to figure it out though because you can't let Sam Howell get eaten alive by pressure the way he has especially the last few weeks you made the Giants who are not necessarily one of the more uh, dominant pass rushing teams in the NFL right now look like a, a top five pass rush against you. And, and I feel like that's kind of been every single week to this point. And, you know, for a while it felt like Sam Howell could handle some of the pressure, but it, it feels like it's getting worse and worse rather than at least staying where it is or maybe slightly improving. And that's got to be my biggest concern for Washington right now. 
Next, moving up in the power rankings at number 20, we have the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll talk about that game in a second. The Vikings taking a big leap with their massive win over the 49ers on Monday Night Football. And then we have the Jets at 18 and then the Rams at number 17. So with the Colts, moving up a couple of spots here despite their loss, uh, whether you agree with the pass interference call at the end of the game or not, I do think that there is uh, an argument to be made that maybe it could have been defensive holding more than anything else. I'm not necessarily sure I love the defensive pass interference call, but I, I do think that maybe there's an argument to be made for it to be holding. Aside from that, that's not what it was called as. It put them right at the one-yard line, the Cleveland Browns, that is. And then, of course, ultimately putting themselves ahead for the game-winning score. Uh, it, that's just an ugly way for games to end, and that's an unfortunate part of the NFL sometimes. So that's about all I really want to say on it because I don't like to dive into the NFL, the NFL officiating conversation. It's just really not for me, and it's a long, convoluted conversation that is just not what I want to get into, but I do give them some credit. This offense this week against a really good Cleveland Browns defense, I did not expect to see this performance in the slightest. I thought the Browns would possibly not run away with the game, but I thought that the Colts would be lucky to get like 13 points in this game. Never mind go down by one with a game that totaled nearly 80 points altogether between both teams. This is like this, is, this might end up being the highest scoring game we have all season long, and that is not what I had on my bingo card for this matchup here, especially all things considered going into it. But Gardner Minshew in this offense in Indianapolis has been very impressive uh, despite the situation that they are in right now. And I thought you saw the absolute best version of what this offense could be this past week. It, it literally looked like the offense that they have built out for Anthony Richardson, but Gardner Minshew was just in there. I mean, the guy had two rushing touchdowns. He was taking whether it was like whether it was read options or like RPOs, he was handling it really, really well. So uh, I've got to give credit to this team. They have far outperformed my expectations. They're not dead yet. They're at least still fighting, even though I kind of like you know wrote their eulogy last week. I'm still in the camp that the Colts definitely want to consider giving the young guys more playing time and kind of look towards next season when you have Anthony Richardson again. But obviously in the NFL, with all the testosterone and egos flowing through as many men that they have on all those teams, whether it's the coaching staff or the players on the field, you are not just going to get people rolling over and dying this early in the season. But very impressed by what Indianapolis did this weekend, despite their loss. Minnesota Vikings, I've got to say, uh, they took advantage of a 49ers team that's a little bit down in the rut right now. I I thought that the 49ers would still have enough in the tank, minus missing Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, but ultimately it just came down to th this Vikings team defensively, of all things, defensively, giving the 49ers some fits. You had the two late interceptions to seal the game by Minnesota, but the pressure that they were bringing, and I know there's a lot of conversation right now about Daniel uh, Hunter being traded away, and at this point, I know that, you know, you're not necessarily in the greatest position still. You rattled off a couple of wins, though. You have three now on the season. There's a lot of season left. After this victory here, I'm very curious to see if Minnesota is still fielding calls for moving on from players. I feel like there might be a consideration now that they need to hang on to their guys because they might be able to turn their fortunes around. It really comes down to protecting the football for Minnesota. I, I personally believe that if they did not have as many turnovers as they've had this season, we're talking about a team that maybe only has two, three losses at most. So fortunes feel like they're kind of changing a little bit right now for Minnesota. 
I'm not super high on them yet, but I, I did say this a couple of weeks ago. I did think that they were among the better of the worst teams in the NFL, and I feel like that's kind of reflected right now in where they are in the power rankings. Just keep an eye on them for now because they feel like they might be trending in the right direction. This was a massive victory for Minnesota against a team that I don't think anyone really expected to have lose against them on Monday Night Football, especially with all the conversation about primetime Kirk not being good enough. Looked pretty good today. Jordan Addison really stepped up for them in the absence of Justin Jefferson, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that going forward. Jets move down a spot, mainly a victim of just kind of things going on around them. Uh, This is not anything to do with the Jets, but they are sitting at number 18 for me. And then the Rams at number 17, dropping down three spots here. Tough loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am not really sure I agree with the way that game ended on Sunday. That one was kind of a frustrating one for me. I had the Rams winning that game and going over, and I thought that maybe they were primed to find themselves in a position to at least tie the game there. Uh, I don't think the ball spot was very good for that fourth down play. So for or fourth down, third down, whatever down it was on that play that, that ultimately ended the game there for Kenny Pickett with his quarterback scramble. I did not agree with that in the very slightest at all. I just thought that there was a terrible ball spot. And, you know, that's my opinion. There was nothing that the Steelers could do, though. They had no timeouts. They weren't able to challenge. It was outside the two-minute warning. So it kind of shot them in the foot there. Uh, just a real big victim of circumstances in that moment. But uh, not sure I agree with the way that game ended. However, they did only get 17 points against a just ferocious Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And ultimately, defensively, I thought they did a solid job. Uh, but it looks like the Steelers might be trending in a positive direction right now. And now moving into the top half of the league at number 16, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers falling three spots, the Atlanta Falcons moving up four. I have the Houston Texans jumping up a spot and then the Cincinnati Bengals falling a spot here. Bengals, they didn't play this week. They're just kind of a victim of teams moving around again. It happens week to week, but don't think anything on that. The Buccaneers. Moving three spots down, tough loss to the Atlanta Falcons, only abling, able to muster up 10 points in their loss to those Atlanta Falcons. Uh, this is this is a team that I feel like, you know, coming out of the bye week it has just fallen flat. They've fallen flat. That's kind of how I look at it right now. And I don't really understand what happened to them. They were looking really hot before their bye week, you know, 3-1 and one going into it, and now they've dropped a couple of losses back-to-back, and the offense is just kind of nowhere to be found. And I mean... Baker Mayfield was having a lot of conversations surrounding him about his play and just like, you know, like the comeback player of the year kind of ideas brewing around him because of how good things were looking for him and that offense over there. He and Mike Evans clearly have a connection, but this offense just cannot run the football. That was, and that's kind of been an issue with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a while now. Like that's not anything new, but it continues to be an issue there. So Tough Falcons defense, not super surprised they wound up dropping this game, but I thought in Tampa Bay they could get the job done, and it just ultimately turned out that turnovers and an inability to run the football really hurting this team right now. At number 15, we have the Atlanta Falcons moving up four spots here with their win over their division rival, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've got to say, this is a, this one's a frustrating one because the Atlanta Falcons defense has been playing at a really high level, and the offense is just not matching what they're putting out on defense. Obviously, 13 points was enough to win this week. You could, you know, again, you lean on that defense. They shut down the run. They did a really good job of making things difficult for Baker Mayfield and that offense in Tampa Bay, but. If Desmond Ritter can just play comfortably, I think this team has a shot. Uh, the NFC South, wide open division right now, and you're leading it. So there is that to lean on. But this is a team that I just have such a hard time with right now. I dropped them like seven spots last week because I, I was just at that point ready to sell all hope on Atlanta. I picked against them this week, and they ultimately got the job done. But 
until I can get some consistent offensive output from this team, middle of the pack is about where I can put them. I, I, I'm still not sold on Desmond Ritter anymore, and I used to be, but it, it, things are still really ugly on offense, and I know Bijan Robinson was just not feeling that well in that game on uh, Sunday, so maybe that was a part of the lesser offensive production, but it's not like the Atlanta Falcons have been lighting the world on fire anyways offensively, but until they can just get more consistent play offensively, you have way too much talent to be kind of toiling where you are at the bottom of the NFL in terms of offensive production. Thankfully, they have a great defense they can lean on and an NFC South that is kind of wide open at the moment. But let me just get some more consistent offensive play from the Falcons, please, is all I'm asking for. And number 14, Houston Texans. They didn't play this week. They moved up a spot. Again, one of those people that just benefited from teams moving below them. So they are where they are. And then again, with the Bengals, them slipping down a spot has nothing to do with them. Just a matter of moving around, like what's going on, moving on around them. And then moving into... Number 12, we have ourselves the Cleveland Browns dropping a spot. The Pittsburgh Steelers flying up. They took a little bit of a nosedive last week, but after what I saw this week and the circumstances surrounding them, they're 4-2, and two, and I'm starting to think we might get some better offensive output from this team going forward. And I'll get into it in a second. Dolphins dropping four spots to number 10. And then at number nine, we have the Seahawks moving up a spot with their victory over the Cardinals. Now, the Cleveland Browns, you win, you're still dropping a spot. This kind of has to do more so with the Steelers leapfrogging them than anything else. But also, like I said, I was not necessarily a fan of the way that Indianapolis Colts and Cleveland Browns game ended. This is Indianapolis Colts fandom aside because I am a Colts fan. Uh, I, I don't, I'm a little bit concerned about what happened to the defense. But also, my biggest concern is Deshaun Watson at this point. And I've kind of called this out here and there before, but I'm going to kind of really call it out now. It feels like he does not care anymore. It really it really does. And I, I, I don't like to put that on people, but it, that interception that he threw felt so lazy and was just an awful downright awful decision I and for somebody that's supposed to be as good as Deshaun Watson is for all of Deshaun Watson supporters out there that is a downright boneheaded play and then on that play he throws that interception he goes down he's hurt he clears concussion protocol but he doesn't come back in the game I'm mean, is it the shoulder I guess but I, I don't know I'm just so I feel sorry because I really feel like the Browns got duped into giving all that money to Deshaun Watson and we have gotten really nothing besides one good game from Deshaun Watson since he's come to Cleveland. And I really feel like he is not going to be worth the money that he's being paid out. And that's very unfortunate because Deshaun Watson prior to all of the, uh, you know, all the sexual assault stuff, you know, would probably be in legitimate conversation for being worth all that money. But this post situation of Deshaun Watson uh, is barely worth a backup spot at this point right now it feels like he is so checked out and that's just kind of how I see it and your best offensive performance since Deshaun Watson got there obviously on the backbone of a really stout defense but it came from a game that he wasn't in that's kind of how I feel about Cleveland right now defense not really sure what happened. I don't know if just Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis caught them off guard. That's obviously a very off-character kind of game for the defense so far, but uh, there's just, you know, definitely some concerns to, to be had despite being 4-2. Pittsburgh at number 11, also 4-2. Big jump for them. The return of Deontay Johnson 
I think is going to be huge for this Pittsburgh Steelers team and Kenny Pickett. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens as a one-two combo is definitely among one of the better young group or young pairings, I should say, in the NFL right now as far as wide receiver tandems go. Offensive line is still a bit of a concern, but they put it put together a solid game, and I really feel like they're starting to get they're they're really starting to get it. I feel like in the run game as well. This is an offense that has struggled all season long, but I feel like put together one of the more complete games that they've had so far to this point in the season. And as Deontay Johnson continues to work his way back into the offense, I think things are really going to start opening up. Keep an eye on Pittsburgh because that defense is lights out. One of the best defenses in the NFL right now. Lights out. TJ Watt is like a one-man wrecking crew on his own, but he also has a ton of guys that are there to back him up as well, that are playing at a very high level as well. Watch out, because if Pittsburgh's offense can get it sorted, this is a dangerous, dangerous team. And they're 4-2, and two, and it doesn't really even feel like they're 4-2, and two, but they are. They're 4-2, and two, and they are fighting for a legitimate spot in the AFC playoff picture right now and for the AFC North as a whole. At number 10, we have the Miami Dolphins, and they go ahead and they're dropping a handful of spots here for a really ugly loss. They now have a losing record to teams that have winning records in the NFL this season. Not really anything to be proud of as far as who their victories are and who their losses are against. And on top of that now, the two teams that they played with winning records that they lost to blew them out. So there is definitely some concern to be had as far as just is this like a, a like a paper champion kind of team where, you know, they're beating down on the lesser opponents, but they just can't hang with the really good teams in the NFL right now? There is definitely some concern to be had, and I think some of it falls on the defense, but also offensively, there is some concern there as well. I think that, you know, this is the second time now that that high-flying offense has basically been shut down by a really good defense. So you saw it with the Bills where they only put up 20 points, and you saw it now again twice with the Eagles allowing them to only put up 17. So... Definitely a little bit of concern there. They are still better than a lot of the other teams in the NFL right now, but as far as where they hang amongst the better teams in the NFL right now, I would definitely say they're closer to the bottom of the best. And then at number nine, the Seattle Seahawks. Another good victory for them there. Another team that is continuing to kind of just roll its way through, handling its business, getting the job done. They have a couple of not-so-great losses, but beyond that, they're a really good team. They're a playoff-bound team. I think they have a legit chance. Now. And especially with the 49ers now looking more mortal than they did the first five games of the season, they have a legitimate chance to make a push for that number one spot in the NFC West. So keep an eye on them. They have a really deep defense that is young but feels like is getting better week in and week out. Offensively, you could argue maybe they're not quite where they were last year, but they are still a really good unit. Great duo at running back. Wide receiver health has been a little bit of an issue this year, so as long as their wide receivers can stay healthy, Geno Smith is still making really great decisions. This is a team to keep an eye on. They're making a push, and things are kind of opening up for them in the NFC West as we speak now, watching the 49ers drop two games straight after winning five in a row. Moving into the top eight teams now, at number eight, we have the Buffalo Bills tumbling three spots here with their loss to the New England Patriots. Moving up a couple of spots, and more so just benefiting from the Dolphins and the Bills dropping down so much, we have the Cowboys sitting at number seven. At number six, moving five spots here, the Kiss of Death. They were number one last week, and because of that, got completely mollywopped by the Baltimore Ravens and are going to see a pretty significant drop all the way down to number six, and the 49ers dropping two spots down to number five. So the Buffalo Bills, this is now 
a third loss for them this season. And a lot of people are saying it, it feels like at times you're playing down to their opponents, but I think it's more than just playing down to your opponents. Uh, it might be a little bit of just reading too much of the press clippings, but also there is clearly some issues with them offensively. I, I am, and I feel like I've said this before, and I did. I actually I brought this up in my offensive power rankings for the AFC East uh, like a couple of months ago. Josh Allen has regressed when it comes to protecting the football. Ever since Brian Dayball has left, he has either turned the ball over or has put the team in a lot of situations to potentially turn the football over. But it's really the turnovers altogether that are really starting to hurt the Buffalo Bills right now. Defensively, they're also depleted. I get that. They have a lot of injuries on defense right now. And, I mean, it's no surprise that the Patriots, who have been struggling this year offensively, finally have a really good game against a Buffalo Bills defense that is hurting right now. Believe me, I get that. But I think that the defense is still a pretty good unit. It's just a matter of these turnovers that we're getting from Buffalo's offense is not great. And Josh Allen, again, hero ball. That's where he finally gets himself into trouble. I know him and Steph Diggs, they are a fantastic one-two punch together. But between Josh Allen's just you know, tendency to really force the football into some bad windows. And I mean, you saw it first throw of the game interception. It was not a great throw. It literally straight to a defender almost. So that's got to get sorted out there. The weight of the entire Buffalo organization needs to get lifted off of Allen's shoulders a little bit. You got to lean into James Cook. He looked really good in the game this week. I think that finding more of a solid running game and becoming more balanced in Buffalo is ultimately going to be what helps get this team to where they're supposed to be right now. And they're not where they're supposed to be right now offensively. They have lost some really ugly games. They've won some really good games. But injuries and also just putting too much on Josh Allen's shoulders, whether it's the organization or it's just Josh Allen himself, somebody needs to get in his ear the way Brian Dayball was because I feel like he might be in his head a little bit. At number seven, like I said, Cowboys moving up a couple of spots here, kind of benefiting from the Bills and Dolphins' really ugly losses this week. So hats off to the Cowboys for having a very strong bye week. Good on you guys. The Detroit Lions. I don't really know what I need to say about them other than just a massive disappointment this week. I was not by any means expecting Detroit to run away with their game against Baltimore. I am somebody who have been very high on Detroit, and I know some people may say yes or no to that being the truth, but I'm someone who's really liked what Detroit's been putting together, and I finally was just bought in with them last week. I gave them the number one spot. I felt like it was deserving, and now after watching that game, I feel kind of like a fool. But I will say this. They have only two losses on the season. They have performed as one of the better teams in the NFL right now, regardless of what their schedule has been this year. You can only play the schedule that you have. That's not really their fault. However, their schedule has shaken out to this point. Uh, but I really feel like they just went into that game and just got punched in the mouth and were not ready for how physical the Ravens are. A team that is notoriously, notoriously famous for being a physical team that will punch you in the mouth and you get their best shot. I feel like the Ravens thrive on those games where a, a really good team's coming into play. They're hot and everyone's hyped up around them and they just come in and remind everyone where the Baltimore Ravens were going to get it done. And that's kind of how I feel like Detroit fell victim this week. They got behind early. The defense just gave them way too many issues offensively. They were not letting them do anything. Jared Goff was under pressure and this Lions team fell, uh, fell is even a light word, came crashing back down to earth this week. 
I'm not going to just completely sell on Detroit. I still think really highly of them. I think they've done a great job building what they're building over there. But I think this was kind of a loss that was needed because the hype around Detroit has gotten very high. And I think they needed their come back down to earth moment, kind of not necessarily humble themselves, but, you know, get a little bit of a reset and build off of what was a humbling loss. And then at number five, the 49ers, man, uh, another team dealing with some really untimely injuries and it's to like their absolute best players right now. So it's hurting the team, but also Brock Purdy looking a little bit more mortal than I think some people were believing. I know there was a lot of AI Brock Purdy conversation going on a few weeks ago, but I will say this. He's mortal. I still think he's a good quarterback. I know there's a lot of conversation now right now about him being a system guy. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a top five quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a top 10 quarterback, but I would definitely put him in the top half of the NFL in quarterback play right now. He does a lot of things really well. Uh, just unfortunate that he's had a couple of back-to-back -back losses where the offense has not looked great and injuries have mounted on top of it at the same time. I mean, because the 49ers defensively had a pretty good game. I mean, aside from just like a really big blown 60-yard touchdown play, I was not really disappointed by any means with the 49ers defense in this game. I think they did a really good job, you know, giving Kirk Cousins some problems and they, they didn't really allow too much. It was just like a really big play or two that killed the 49ers in this game here. But offensively, the injuries are definitely hurting them right now. And I think we have gotten a more mortal looking Brock Purdy than we've seen so far through the first 16 or what is it like 15 games of his career, whatever it is that he's played right now. And then moving into the top four teams to wrap up our power rankings at number four, we have ourselves the Jacksonville Jaguars at number three, the Baltimore Ravens at number two, the Kansas City Chiefs, and at number one, reclaiming their throne, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. So at number four, the Jacksonville Jaguars starting to round out into the team that I think everyone was expecting to see from them. They had a ugly start to the season and they were in kind of a rough spot. But they have battled back. They look really good right now offensively. I'm getting the offense that I basically expected to see from this Jacksonville Jaguars team now. Defensively, they held on for the majority of that game. Things got a little out of hand late. But ultimately, they gave the Saints some problems for about three quarters and some change. So hats off to what the Jaguars have been able to do here. I think a team that kind of faced some adversity early with a really ugly loss to the Chiefs offensively earlier in the season, and they've bounced back since their London trip. They've been red hot. They've been shutting down teams. Great win over the Falcons. Great win over the Bills. You have another great win now over the New Orleans Saints. You have got to be excited about what the Jacksonville Jaguars are putting together right now. A team that's littered with talent, a young talent at that, and they're really starting to hit their stride at a good point in the season. Baltimore Ravens at number three. This is one that I think is also well-deserved here. You come in, you beat out a team that a lot of people were ranking as one of the top teams in the NFL right now, and you beat them convincingly. This was the best version of the Baltimore Ravens I have seen in quite some time. Defensively, they have been a unit all season long. It is not really a surprise to me, even despite some of the injuries that they've had. And when you consider the amount of turnover the defensive line faced this offseason with a lot of vets going and a lot of young guys getting the opportunity to take over as the number ones in their spots, this is a really impressive unit for Baltimore defensively. But the offense, they've been very hit or miss each and every single week. But I think this week we got the exact version of what the Ravens want this offense to be. Lamar Jackson slicing and dicing through the air, playing like the quarterback that everyone who believes in Lamar Jackson knows he is. Haters be damned. He is not a running back. He is a quarterback. He was always 
a pass-first guy. If you know what Lamar Jackson is and where he came from, he is a passing quarterback. Yes, he has fantastic legs, and he can make things happen. It was part of his progression. But what we saw this week against a Detroit Lions defense that's been solid for the most part this season. Of course, they've had a couple of games they've let up a lot. Ravens and uh, Seahawks would be another one you could consider. Overall, this Baltimore Ravens offense that we saw is exactly what they're supposed to be. Odell Beckham looked good. Rashad Bateman. I mean, you've got to give credit. Zay Flowers. Everyone looks really good on that offense right now as far as the receivers go. Drops have been like an Achilles heel for this unit, and we're seeing less of that now. Running game, Gus Edwards looked really strong as well. This unit from top to bottom, offense to defense, watch out because if they hit their stride and that was them finally putting it all together against what is a really good Detroit Lions team, this is a team you've got to watch out for. Arguably one of the best in the NFL right now. At number two, Kansas City Chiefs. They came in. They got the job done. They rolled their division rival Chargers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had his best game of the season, 400-plus yards. Great showing by them. Rashi Rice is somebody to keep an eye on. He is really starting to come into form for this team. And I feel like with each and every week that goes by, he's gaining Patrick Mahomes' trust, and he's kind of molding himself into the number one guy. You could argue that that's been kind of Marquez Valdez-Scantling's role for a while, but I never really looked at him as like a true number one, more like a 1B kind of guy. And if Rashi Rice can continue to progress the way he has, he's looking like a legit number one for this offense. So keep an eye on the Chiefs offensively they did what they were supposed to do they came in they took advantage of the league's worst passing attack defensively they made the chargers look like a an offense that has literally no talent offensively they shut things down in the second half and they looked really really good the strength of this team right now is in the defense however the offense looks like they might have just caught back up could be just taking advantage of how bad the chargers passing defense is but overall really really happy with the way the chiefs look this week so major props to them for getting a big win over their division rival and then at number one the philadelphia eagles reclaiming their throne funny enough at number one and number two we are right back to where i started this season with the eagles at one and the chiefs at number two so no surprise to me there that these two teams are back at the top. The Eagles had a few weeks where maybe they were getting some ugly ugly wins per se. They weren't the prettiest, and I feel, felt like I was talking about that as I dropped them down, and they've kind of worked their way back up to the top here. But there's no doubt in my mind, and there has been no doubt in my mind, that the Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFL. It was just a matter of the offense just not being quite where I wanted it to be. But this showing that they had against the Dolphins was kind of that, like, you know, they're, they're you know slamming the fist on the table kind of moment, declaring that we are here, we are the best in the NFL. And I thought that that was a very big moment for them on Sunday night football. And you could even see it in Jalen Hurts during his postgame interview. He was feeling the emotions on that one going up against a former teammate in Tua Tagovailoa and everything that's gone on between those two quarterbacks from their college days to the comparisons that you've had literally since both of their careers have kicked off in the NFL. This was a much needed victory. And now... The Eagles go ahead. They trade for Kevin Byard from the, from the Tennessee Titans now. Secondary getting even stronger. Byard's a literal two-time All-Pro, Pro Bowl safety. One of the best that's been in the NFL for a while now. Watch out. This Eagles team's coming. And they again, their wins are not always ugly. Sometimes they will just grind you in a submission. Other times, it's a dominant performance like you had on Sunday Night Football. If they're hitting their stride right now, look out because they have one loss and I don't see them losing another game for 
quite some time if they're looking like the way they did on Sunday Night Football. But those are my power rankings for week number eight of the NFL. If you made it to the end of the video, I greatly appreciate you. I will see you all next time. Have a good one.